Welcome back to Bucketheads, episode 24 of Lane Grant, Holy Land's college basketball podcast and the home of your almost fully healthy, but once again, not playing basketball this week, Ohio State Buckeyes. My name is Connor Lamont, and I will be joined by my lovely co-host, Justin Global momentarily. Uh, but while I've got you here, make sure to follow along on Twitter at BucketheadsLGHL and the main account for the website at LaneGrant33 for the most up-to-date happenings of Ohio State men's basketball. Uh, Justin, our big news right now is that the Buckeyes are once again on a pause, kind of. Yeah, thankfully it's not their own pause. It's due to another school, but um, Thursday afternoon, around like 1 or 2 o'clock, Nebraska announced that they have too many sick players on their team. They wouldn't be able to play this Saturday. A lot of conferences have gone to the 7-1 rule, which means if you have seven healthy players and one healthy coach, you're playing. Um, so that means they didn't have that. That's now the minimum the teams need to play games. So the Big Ten will try to reschedule the game. Uh, it's definitely not guaranteed. Adam Jardy, friend of the pod, um, Ohio State basketball guru, was kind of on top of that. He was trying to see – apparently Ohio State was trying to schedule a game for this weekend or even Monday or Tuesday this week. But it just – it's probably not going to happen. It's too difficult to add a game that quick. Um, so they're not going to play Nebraska – which will be today, releasing this podcast episode on Saturday. So uh, Ohio State have a, probably the weekend off. The next game is until Thursday on the road at Minnesota. Now Minnesota canceled their last game um, due to COVID issues within the Minnesota program. But for now, their game today against Rutgers is still on. So hopefully that was a quick pause for Minnesota and Ohio State will be able to get back on the court on Thursday because they do not want to have a two-week pause and then start their season right back off at Purdue next Sunday. That's not where you want to go. Right. Um, yeah, as long as as long as they play Minnesota Thursday, I'm not too concerned about like being rusty or anything for Purdue. That's still like a week off. A week off still sucks. And uh, like you said, they were trying to maybe get another non-conference game in there, but um, it's tough. There aren't really – everybody's in conference play now. So very few teams, even the small conferences, very few teams want to like, sure, we'll go on the road on one day of preparation and go get our asses beat by Ohio State. And then we'll come back and, you know, usually play like another conference game a day later because, you know, generally your games are spaced out like three or four days apart. So throwing an Ohio State game in the middle is difficult on anybody. So they had a hard time adding a game. And as of today, they they don't have anything until Minnesota. Um, if as long as the Minnesota game is played, I think they'll be all right. I wouldn't be too concerned about rust. If the Minnesota game gets canceled for some reason, then yeah, you're 11 days off before going to play Purdue, who just lost their third conference game of the season the other day. So I think that Purdue is probably about ready to go on a run here where they probably rip off like six or seven straight wins. Yeah, and it, you know, kind of back to your original point, it's different scheduling an IUPUI you know, on a Tuesday when you have a when you have a couple games coming up, you know you don't want to play. If you can't get a game scheduled Saturday or Sunday, you don't want to play Monday or Tuesday with at Minnesota and at Purdue coming up that week. That's just too much going on. You know, there's that kind of happy space in between just having an adequate amount of time off, which is what this would be Saturday to next Thursday. I think that's just a good time to kind of 
reset your legs a little bit, reset your minds, which is a big deal, especially come January. Um, it's already been a long, grueling season for Ohio State. They played, according to uh, Ken Pong, they played the second hardest schedule in the country. So it's not like Ohio State has been cruising through. They have had a grueling, grueling three months or two months to start their season. So, you know, you don't want to add a game there on that Tuesday that, you know, maybe you drop it, maybe you don't, but it makes the Minnesota game harder, the Purdue game harder. And you wouldn't be adding in an IUPUI again. You'd be putting in a conference opponent. So um, not something you probably want to do. So if you can't get a game Saturday or Sunday, you just use the weekend, probably relax a little bit, have a couple situational practices, and then you play Thursday and Sunday. I agree that I don't think – now, if you don't play Thursday, that's when you get into the too long of a pause to where the rust starts to kick in. And we saw what happened last time they paused where they came back and they didn't look too crisp outside of Malachi Branham, who apparently loved the pause. But – um you don't want to have that. That that's where you get into the. It's too long of a pause. Um, right now, I don't think it's that's the case. So, you know, and especially just playing two road games in a in a row is tough, no matter who the opponent is. So, we'll see. Yeah, and I had a few people. Um, I was working from home yesterday when the news broke, so I was like trying to stay on top of it. I had a couple people tweet thoughts at me. One of them was. When I said an 11 day pause will be bad before playing Purdue, and somebody was like, Well, it's not the same as last time. They're not not practicing. They can practice every day until that game. If it was to happen, they could still practice, which is true. I think most people understand like, you don't want to go a week without game action. You don't want to go a week without running up and down the court against an opponent in a game situation. Just shooting in the gym, sure, is helpful, but going a whole week without game action is not what you want before you play Purdue. And second, I had somebody respond to me and say, why don't they try to schedule, if Nebraska cancel, why don't they try to schedule one of the Big Ten opponents that they only played once against this season? Which, at face value, makes sense. But that team also would have had to have a game canceled at some point. Um, you know, like, for example, Michigan State. Ohio State only plays Michigan State once this season. But if Michigan State's played all their Big Ten games, they are not going to come to Columbus to play Ohio State for fun. Um, and if they have missed a game, then you have to look at their schedule and see, does that even fit? So the options to add like a Big Ten team to replace Nebraska sounds like it would almost be impossible. Yeah, and there's just so much logistics that goes into it. You have to get travel arrangements. You have to make sure the arena's open. These arenas do so many different things. You know, you have to make sure that team that you're trying to schedule has an adequate amount of time. They have to basically have a, a – a, four, a 10 to 11 day pause or rest period as well, which in January and February, that just doesn't happen. These teams are playing two to three games a week pretty consistently. So, um, and the first comment is correct. It is good that they're still practicing. You know, this isn't their pause. They're just practicing through this. That will help them. But you're right. You have to play games. You have to be on the court and you have to be able to, um, you know, get that game action because you can't, you can't supplement it for anything else. That is how you get better. That is how you learn. And um, it is good that they'll still be practicing and the rust wouldn't be as rusty, I guess you'd say. But you need to play. It's just simple. Um, we're basically five days away from the Minnesota game. So I feel like we can, we'll can. we probably have an episode that will come out the day of that game where I guess if, if we want, we can talk a little bit, about, a little bit more about Minnesota. Um, probably don't need to talk about them all that much. Um, they're one and five in Big Ten play. They've lost four games in a row. Um, their schedule's not been very good. They were like a kind of like a hot story early on. I think they started the season like eight and zero or nine and zero, 
And I think now they're like 12 and five. Um, I just don't think it's much of a story there. They're not a very good team. I don't think there's a ton to talk about there. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at their schedule early on. They didn't play anybody at first. Then they played, they beat Pittsburgh by one. Pittsburgh's not a good team. They beat Mississippi State by five. Mississippi State's not that good of a team. They got Michigan by 10, which was when I think a lot of people started going, oh, wow, like this team could actually be pretty good. But Michigan has been just landsliding since then. So that win is not looking as good. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they lost the last four games. And the only game they were truly competitive in was the Michigan State game that they lost at the buzzer uh, to Joey Hauser. So, you know, they, they're kind of doing they, – they weren't expected to be that good. They only brought back one. They brought back two guys, but one of them has missed the entire season due to injury. Um, so they only brought back one player from their team last year. Uh, they had like 10 transfer out, I believe, 10 or 11, and they brought in 10 or 11 transfers. So And is a that, new coach. Is, that Peyton, so, is Peyton Willis the one that came back? No. Um, it's um, Is it Curry? Yeah, Eric Curry, who actually got hurt against Iowa. So I don't know his status, but um, they, you know, and they have some great. Jameson Battle was a great bring in. Peyton Willis is playing great. You know, they have they do have pieces, but with the young coach like Ben Johnson, it just takes time to get that going. And in the Big Ten is tough because I mean they played Illinois, Indiana, Michigan State, and Iowa back to back to back to back. That's not an easy schedule at all. So they had to go to Indiana, to Michigan State, and they put up fights in both those games. You know, it's kind of all you can ask for. Um, and it's not going to get any easier for them. They go Rutgers, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa. So it's, you know. Do you know why I thought it was Peyton Willis? This is crazy. This is really fun. Um, Peyton Willis started his career at Vanderbilt, played two years at Vanderbilt. He transferred to Minnesota in 2018, sat out a year, redshirt year Minnesota, played in 2019-2020 that season, transferred to College of Charleston after that, Played at Charleston last year and then transferred back to Minnesota this year. So yeah, yeah he was at Minnesota for he I guess, was two at years. Minnesota for two years and then transferred out and then came back. He's a six year. That's why his name sounded familiar to me. This man's twenty four years old. Yeah, yeah. He uh, but he had a great year with College of Charleston and then came back to Minnesota. This man is uh the same age as Seth Town. This is an old man. Um, speaking of old men, also real quick, just just a quick thing. To show you where I'm at in basketball season, I truly – I'm not making this up. Two days ago, I had a dream that Seth Towns played a basketball game for Ohio State. I, like, I dreamt that. That was what I yeah, dreamed. This that is was definitely a dream. About. And that's that's actually what I was – I was just about to say something. That was I was leading right into that, not your dream. Um, but for the first time, honestly, like I was at the uh, IUPUI game – and hey. for the first time, I'm honestly starting to have doubts if Justice Suing or Seth Towns are like actually going to play this season. Which they're still a good team without them, but like all season, it's been like, oh, they're making progress. They're probably a few weeks away. And at this point now, honestly, like I, it's I don't even know when they're going to come back. You're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, well, we're running out of weeks for Chris Holtman to say they're a few weeks away. At some point, we're going to be like the coach has not weeks left in the season. Um, so Justice Suing did get shots up pregame, which was nice to see, especially because his injury, with his injury, him getting shots up is a big step. Um, were you there early enough to see him go through? Did he go through warm-ups or was he just putting up shots? I was there when they were warming up. He was not warming up. So I wasn't there early enough to see him taking shots. But, yeah, he wasn't warm- He did not warm up with them. Okay, so that's probably the next step for him. But, yeah, if he's not even you know warming up or anything yet, then – you know, and granted, when you warm up, you're very, 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 very close and probably playing. But, um, yeah, it's just I definitely 
thought that he, at least Sewing would be back by now. With Seth Towns at this point, I think you're you're getting what anything you get from Seth Towns is a bonus, in my opinion. Um, if he doesn't play, he doesn't play. You know, it, it sucks because he's such a great offensive player and he's such a. I mean, he seems like a great guy, you know, just to have out there. But um, with Justice Sewing, I definitely thought he'd probably at least be at least have a timetable to when he'd be back by now. I mean, we're in late January now. I'm officially calling it late January. So, um, yeah, it's you got to think we only have five to six weeks left of the regular season. And you want to get him back at some point in the regular season. You don't want him to come back in the tourna- Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament. Um, and then you start to think about, you know, if he can't come back, do you, you, they can still redshirt him. I believe he only played one game. So I don't. I don't think that he's coming back, man. I don't think he's come back. Well, the, the benefit of him not coming back this year could be maybe get a full year of him next year. So I'm I'm thinking even if he doesn't play, I don't think he's going to come back. Oh, oh, well, you mean to Ohio State? Yeah, I think that this is. Okay. I think that this is Justice Suing and Seth Towns' final season wearing an Ohio State jersey, whether they play basketball or not. Personally, yeah, Ta- Towns is interesting because he is 24, but he <laughs> does still have an extra year of eligibility, so he could come back. I don't think he will. He's a Harvard grad. Go take your degree. Go get a big boy. You know, go get it. Go get. Go make your money. He seems like a really bright guy. Aside from the injuries, um, this team's going to lose. Like, if you include Suing and Towns, this team's going to lose like nine players. Like, lose a I lot. don't. I don't think that. In assuming AJ Liddell is gone, I don't think there will be a senior on Ohio State's team next year. Um, it'll be mostly freshmen and sophomores. We don't know about the transfer portal. Like, they'll probably pick up a transfer or two. Um, but that's what I was just thinking is like, there's not going to be any seniors on this team next year. There's going to be a couple juniors and a ton of freshmen and sophomores. So I just don't know if I could see like a 25 year old Seth Towns being like, yeah, I'll come back and play another season of college basketball with all these 19 year olds or, or justice suing who would be, I think he's 22 or 23 right now. Or like justice suing be like, yeah, I'll come back and play another season of college basketball with all these like, 19 and 20 year olds and he's like legit four years older than everybody i just like it's gonna be such a young team next year i don't know if i can see either of those guys being like you know i'm gonna put off my professional career for another year to come do this again yeah the only thing i could see suing coming back for is just simply because he if he doesn't play at all this year wanting to end it you know a little bit differently also they will be young next year they're not going to be bad they're not going to be rebuilding they still have a lot of guys, a lot of talent coming back with Branham and Brown and Michi Johnson and Zed Key and maybe, those guys. And the coming in, maybe Branham. Yeah, maybe Branham. I mean, I'm I'm gonna assume Branham's coming back until he plays a little a little more at this level. Um he's had kind of like he's had more freshman games than great games, if that makes sense. So I do think Branham will will come back. I think he'll enter his name into the NBA draft because there's no there's no con to doing that. Uh, but I do think he'll probably pull it out and play at least one more year. And then the freshmen coming in are very, very, very good. I just wrote an article about them. They're all pretty much turning heads. That team so, next year is going to be so badass. That's going to be so. They're going to be so much fun. They're going to be so much fun. I don't know if they're going to be good or great, but they're going to be fun. They're going to be such a headache, but they're going to be so much fun. They're going to like lose. They're going to like lose a game to like Illinois on the road by like twenty eight. But the story of the game is going to be like. Roddy Gale is gonna like just freaking posterize somebody, and people are gonna be like, "Holy cow!" Like they're gonna be so much fun. Bruce Thornton has been lighting up, lighting up the the boards recently. 
um, not like rebounds, like people talking about him. Um, Felix Akpara, people are really high on. Bryce Senzabaugh has literally been maybe the fastest rising prospect I've ever seen. I mean, it's insane oh, how yeah. high people are. Ohio him State offered him, I'm pretty sure, when he was like the number like 268 player yeah. in the country. He's and he's risen 50. up to like 60 now. He's, he's in the top 50 now. He's 49. Like, it depends yeah. what source you look at. Like if you're looking at rivals or uh, – 24 seven, but I mean, that's still yeah, still high. Like Ohio state offered him when he was like barely even on the radar. Like talk about nailing that one early. Like that's like, that's crazy. That's like in fantasy football when you like draft a guy in the back, like in like when I drafted Terry McLaurin in fantasy football, like four years ago as a rookie with no profile picture. And he ended up being a fucking pro bowler. I'm sorry. Pardon my French. Um, it's like Bryce Sensabaugh got an offer from Ohio state when he was like a three star number 260. And now he's like, bordering top 50 and he's already as big as ej liddell like physically like bray sensible is already like 66 220 yeah it'll be interesting to see kind of and i think that's why if if justice suing does come back that could be the reason also maybe he'll play this year i hope he does i think as we can get into now i think um it's very clear they could use him <laughs> uh because they're not getting as much as i think they thought they would from another certain senior um if you want to touch on that a little bit <laughs> yeah, in just a moment, I was say another another thing is like, at what point of the season do you say like, all right, it's almost like too late for them to break in and start making an impact? Like, you know, when yeah, these I'd guys mid mid February is probably my point for that. When these guys like start playing, Maybe you know, they've already got kind of like rotations worked out. You have guys like Eugene Brown, who we'll talk about in a second too, who's like starting to play really well. You're starting like roles are starting to be defined. And then you add in two more guys who are going to be just forced into the rotation. It just is going to, it just is weird. And like, obviously justice suing is not going to step on the court, his first game and be like, here's 20 points and 10 rebounds. Like it's going to take him probably several games to look like the justice suing that had like four double doubles last year. So how, how long do you wait until you plug him back in and say, at this point, it's like, it's too late. We cannot expect production from him if we just throw him into the fire at the end of February. Like you're approaching, I think you're approaching that point pretty soon here where it's like, heck, like this is, it's kind of an uncertainty what we'll get from him throwing him in the fire this late in the season. Yeah, the good part is I don't think they need as much from him as I think we thought they might a month ago because of the the resurgence in Malachi Branham and Cedric Russell's been playing some decent minutes and Eugene Brown's been getting some scoring. I think I don't think Justice Suing has to be the number. We thought he'd have to come back and be their number two guy. I don't think he has to do that anymore. I think his biggest role to this team is going to be just simply his leadership and uh, his defense, which is something that you don't need as many games to get back, right? Defense is just defense. You know, you got it or you don't. Um, and Suing is a great defender who can defend multiple positions, and that's something that I think they need on this team right now. So um, that's a benefit. I, Seth, you know, Seth Towns might not even come back. Like the original return for him was supposed to be in mid-December. We're a month past that, and um, uh, Holtman said after the IUPUI game at the press conference, he said, yeah, Justice, Justice is definitely closer to coming back than Seth is, but neither of them are even practicing yet. And like Seth's target was mid December. We're almost into February now, and they're like, "Yeah, he's not even as close as close as suing is." So like, we we may not even see Seth Towns again. Which I don't, how much was he really going to bring to the table? More maybe like four or five points a game max. But like, we we just may not see him again. 
Yeah, and I think it just comes down to, you know, they haven't been incredibly open about these injuries. We don't really know, which is fine. That's their right. You know, it's not our business. Whatever. Who cares? But I think there's I think it's truly gonna be a scenario where nobody knows anything, and then all of a sudden you see Justice Suing it checks into the game. That's how Seth Towns was last year. Remember, everyone was like, We don't know when Seth's coming back. And then all of a sudden it's like, is Seth Towns checking into the game? Like he literally just came out of nowhere. So I think that's how it's going to be. I really don't think we'll know much of anything until Justice Suing just checks into a game or Seth Towns just checks into a game. It's kind of like Kyle Young. We thought Kyle Young was going to be maybe a longer injury than it was, and all of a sudden it was like, all right, he's back. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So um, that's just kind of how they do it. I, th- I think that's how it's going to go. I don't think we're going to get like a Justice Suing's coming back this game. I don't think we're going to get that. I think we're going to just have to they see have been They have been sending out availability reports um, I don't know if you're on the email list or not, but I know I am, and I know Matt is on the email list. We do get availability reports from Ohio State usually two hours or so before the games. So hopefully when Justice Suing is available, we will know that day and not when he checks in, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and when I say like when he ch- – that's kind of what I mean. It's more or less like if he's not on the availability report for a game, you can just take your hints of that he's going to be available. I don't think Holtman's going to come out specifically – a week before and go, he's going to be ready this day. You know what I mean? I think you can either just check the availability report for a game and notice, oh my God, Suing's not on it. Or like I said, if you don't check, like availability reports aren't available normally to the public until 20 minutes before the game. So um, that's another thing. All that from talking about Peyton Willis led us to all that. Um, So yeah, to to cap that, basically Minnesota is in year one of a rebuild. the barn is a tough place to play, but Minnesota sucks. Can't lose that game. Moving on past Minnesota, um, you talked about it. We're not gonna we're not gonna recap Penn State and IUPUI. Those games were just as painful. They were, they were painful to watch. They'd be even more painful to like talk about again. They're just gross games. Um, but there were some things to talk about from the games. First of all, uh, Justin Arns can do one thing well, and that's shoot the basketball, and he's not doing that at all right now. Yeah, and there's one thing I want to say real quick because I see this after a lot of games where Ohio State plays well, and especially when Ohio State's depth plays well, is people kind of start to go, and this guy should get more minutes, and this guy, this guy should get more minutes, and this guy, and I get it. I do agree that there's a lot of minutes to be had, but there's 40 minutes in a basketball game. And I think most of it is just because people want to see Gene Brown and Cedric Russell over Justin Arns. But there is still times where a lot of what Cedric Russell gives you on offense, he doesn't really give you back on defense. So that's kind of still been a a push and pull there. Uh, Gene Brown is looking very good. He'll get more minutes as the – I mean, he played 23 against Penn State, which is – or 18 against Penn State. Um, So he is getting, you know, a lot more minutes than – um, he was early on and he's also remember he did have a concussion earlier in the year I don't know how long it takes to really truly come back from a concussion but it feels like it takes a while so I think they're still a little bit working like kind of being easy with him um, just because they can you know Arns and I tweeted this during the IUPUI game you can't just bench him <laughs> you know also because he is playing decent defense you know I don't think that should go discouraged he is giving you some he's rebounding the ball at a at a, probably the best he's he's been rebounding in his career and he's playing okay defense. Sometimes he still gets lost a little bit and he's just not the quickest in the world. So, you know, don't transfer him on to like, you know, Andre Carbello or somebody, but 
you know, he's he's playing decent defense. And when you get out of a shooting slump, you shoot out of it. That's what you do. So you need him. To, I wish he would have shot the ball more against IUPUI. Honestly, a five, I think only a five shot attempts. That's not enough. That was the game to shoot out of it because they did win by 46 points. That game was never going to be close. So, um, and it, it, having him on the court is still a benefit because he's still, I saw someone say when Arn's on the court, you're playing five on four. That's just not accurate. That's not, that's not true. Um, he is still taking attention to defenses because the minute he breaks out of that slump, he can have 25 and hit eight threes on you. The defenses still have to account. They have to have one person on him and one person watching him every time they come down the floor because he's still a 40% three-point shooter for his career. He might only be at 36% this year. By the way, 36% still is not bad. But obviously, it's the lowest he shot his career, and he's just he's going through a slump um, right now. But he's going to have to shoot out of it. They're going to need him. They're going to need the production he brings. He won them almost single-handedly a couple games last season with his shooting. They need that kind of – they don't have that that 45% three-point shooter in general. I think Cedric Russell can be that, but, again, he just doesn't play as much minutes as I think um, to, to make that kind of impact while Arns does. So Arns, they, they need him to get out of this slump. And the way to do it is shoot out of it. And he's not taking bad shots. He's just missing them. So eventually they'll start falling. He's too good of a shooter to have a slump for that long. Um, but you know, if you're expecting Justin Arns to just start playing 10 minutes a game, I got bad news. I would be okay if Gene Brown started over Arns, but yeah, I would too. Let me and I think it's, that, I think it's safe to say if Suing comes back, he's going to start over Arns at this point. Yeah, probably. And, and it wouldn't be something where like it would, if Gene Brown starts over Arns, it's not going to be like a flip flop. It's not going to be like how Arns right now plays like 28 minutes a game. It's not like Eugene Brown all of a sudden is going to play 28 minutes a game and Orange is going to play 10. Like it would be like Eugene Brown plays the first four minutes. And at the first media timeout, Justin Orange is, is in the game. Like he would still be, Orange would still probably play like t- at least 20 minutes a game. Even if he's not starting, um, I would not be, I wouldn't be mad to see Eugene Brown, like get the start against Minnesota though. Cause I think he's, he's earned it. Um, I think he's playing really well, but fans who think that he's like an offensive improvement over Arns, unfortunately they are incorrect. Um, yeah, the, he's coach, not. the coaches know the coaches know much better than we do or that any common fan does what Eugene Brown's capabilities are in offense and basically they're not going to run many sets for him if anything pretty much everything that Eugene Brown does is take advantage of opportunities when plays break down there's an offensive rebound when the play that they've already called didn't work out there's an offensive rebound they kick it back out and you know all of a sudden it's like a free, you know I, I don't want to say free for all but um they're kind of you know working it on the fly all of a sudden um offensive putbacks things like that they're not running many sets for for gene brown but he's so athletic that he just makes things happen holdman said he's he's a really 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 good cutter um cuts to the basket things like that um so i wouldn't be mad if he started over him but there's a reason he averages like two and a half points per game right now um he's just like not a guy that you're gonna uh, run your offense around um but and Orange is going to get out of it. Justin Orange is going to shoot out of it. He's not going to shoot thirty percent from three. He's going to have a game pretty soon where he knocks down like four or five threes um, because you know it's just, you you have to shoot out of it. You can't you can't take the ball out of his hands and expect him to like all of a sudden start knocking down shots after you don't let him shoot for two or three games. That's not how it works. 
Yeah, and, and it's like you just said about Gene Brown, and that's not an insult to Gene Brown or anything. We're the biggest Gene Brown fans in the world. I think Gene Brown was a steal because they got he was like a three star coming out of high school. I think I think that whole draft class was or recruiting class, which was him and Zed Key, um, and technically Michi Johnson. But regardless, back to arms. Look, he's he's gonna get those minutes, even if it's just because there's a lot of stuff just because he's a senior, you know, and they trust that he's smart enough to play within himself. You know what I mean? If he was a freshman or sophomore and he's he's yakking up nine threes a game, okay, now there's a problem. But Arns knows who he is. He's played this game long enough. He knows when to take he's still like I said, he's not forcing the issue. He's taking good shots still. They're just not falling. They will. And look, at some point what's gonna happen is teams are gonna kind of pick up on his slump, try to maybe put a little more attention on Liddell and Branham, and that's when Arns will start getting really good looks and he'll start knocking shots down. You'll notice He's still not getting wide open looks because even though he's in a slump, teams are still giving that one to two guys to make sure they always know where he is on the court. And, exactly. Um, so and, and it's still so that's a that's a benefit that still benefits guys when Arns is still drawing that attention. He's always he's done enough in his career. He's always going to draw that attention. If this slump never breaks, which it will, but if this slump still never breaks, come NCAA tournament time and he's still struggling this bad and he's shooting twenty six percent now. He's still going to draw that attention because exactly. the game he breaks out of it, he's going to have twenty five. So or could I'm not at this going at, to, at this point in his career, he's already at this. By the time you're a senior, like everybody's got you scouted, everybody's got film on you, everybody knows what you're about. Every time Justin Arns touches the ball, um, I know you haven't been at any games this season, but you've been to plenty of basketball games in your life. When somebody like Arns catches the ball on the perimeter, what is the entire defense yelling? Shooter, yeah. shooter, 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 yeah. shooter. Like the coaches are not in a film session saying, well, this Justin Arns fellow, you know, he's been pretty good the last couple of years, but he's six for his last 29. So I think we probably can lay off him a little bit this game. Like, <laughs> no, they're like, this man will bury us if you don't get your face up in his face. And that's exactly what teams are continuing to do, which has to be so frustrating for him because he's probably like, goodness, I just, I just need to see a couple go in. Like, won't these guys are they, have these guys not been watching me? I suck. Just let me shoot. And teams are like, no, man, we we know we know what you're about. Yeah, and the, teams, the, aren't gonna, teams aren't going to stop. No, and I noticed the biggest thing that guys have caught on to is they've caught on to his pump fake one dribble shot. He was doing that pretty well, and he was getting guys to fly by and stuff. And then he we put down the one dribble, kind of regather himself, and then he'd have a good look. Teams are catching on to that. The flyby is quicker. Now they have a second guy waiting to to help when he does that. So that's something he's just going to have to adjust to. I like the fact that against – I think it was against – was it against Penn State or IUPUI he drove and got like a little layup? Was that against Indiana? Whatever. Whenever he did that. You know, that's still seeing the ball go in the hoop. You know, that's all he needs to do is see the ball go in. I wish, like I said, I wish against IUPUI. They kind of just gave – It was at Wisconsin. Oh, God, I just skipped that game in my head. Anyway, but, um, you know, that's what I meant when I said Indiana. Um. You know, I, I wish he would just kind of had a, a complete green light against IUPUI just to try to see a couple shots fall. Um, the problem with IUPUI in that sense is the reason IUPUI is really bad is not their defense. As we saw, it's their offense. Their offense is abysmal. So their defense is still decent. So they're still playing decent defense. Again, they weren't playing great defense. They literally had like good. 10 shot clock violations. That's not even yeah, like being sarcastic. Their offense, they had like is, 10. Their offense is it's the worst in the country. It's, it's truly they average 50 points a game. And that actually went down because they scored 37. So that was why that game was going to be a blowout. So they still played decent defense. So it wasn't like Arns was just going to get 10 or 12 wide open threes because 
IUP while I was running around at half court. Like they're still a decent defensive team. So, you know, yeah. like I said, you, these, and it really sucks that the Nebraska game got canceled because that's one of those games as you can see him breaking out of it at home Saturday game, Nebraska sucks, you know, their defense isn't good. So that could be a game where like you could see him having a big one. Um, Minnesota, maybe it'd be huge if this breakout game's on the road, because that means that the crowd isn't really affecting him. I don't think it is because as by now we would have known that. Um, I'm pretty sure his biggest game, that Iowa game he had a sophomore year, I'm pretty sure that was on the road. So I, I don't think that's no, that an issue a, for him. But is that, that, a was a, that was a home game. Oh, yeah. Okay. Still, regardless, um, I think he needs to play Iowa, to be very honest, because he's done very well against them in his career. So That was the game um, that, uh, I don't know if you remember, that was the game that Fran McCaffrey went after the ref after the game that's in, a lot the, of in the hallway. And he uh, like like after the ha- in the hallway like went after the ref and called him a effing disgrace and screamed at him and then he got suspended. That was that game. Good for him. Anyway, um, I can't imagine letting Justin Orange score twenty nine points and yelling at the ref. But freshman Justin Orange averaging like yeah. one and a half points per game pops off for freaking twenty seven points or something crazy. Yeah. I would be upset too. I remember that. The only reason I remember that game is not to go off track, but I was working at Kent State and I was watching it on my phone. I was like, how many points does Justin Orange have? But anyway, so looking, so just to kind of wrap up the Justin Orange conversation, he's probably going to keep starting or he's, he's going to keep playing the minutes he's playing. I wouldn't be surprised, as you said, if Gene Brown maybe pops into the starting lineup just to, sh- you know, change it up. Sometimes guys play better off the bench. You know what I mean? We saw that this year with the Cavs. But if you're an NBA fan, before Colin Sexton got hurt, he was coming off the bench. He was playing great. He was playing a lot better than he was when he started. So, some guys just play off the bench a little better. It kind of changes their mindset a little bit. Um, maybe he play, thinks a little more freer. So we'll see. I'm very curious to see kind of what they do. Like I said, I do 100% think if just if we get Justice Suing back and he get back to his just some 80% or 90% of what he was, they're going to want him in the starting lineup. That's probably where he'll, he'll fit in um, is for Justin Arns. But we'll see. It's – but and also with the people with the the whole this guy needs more minutes. Like a lot of people are saying Jimmy Soto's needs more minutes after the IUPUI game. It's like, yeah, Soto's isn't a bad player at all. He's he can provide. But it's like, where do you throw these minutes in with Wheeler, Michi? You know, we don't know how long Michi Johnson's out, but it seems like probably he'll miss this week still. Uh, but you still have Malachi Branham. You still have the Penn State game was interesting. I pulled up the box score. It was the least depth they've used all season. They really didn't go to the bench too much. Kyle Young played 23 minutes off the bench. If you want to consider Kyle Young off the bench anymore, he comes in in like three minutes into the game. And then Eugene Brown played 18 minutes off the bench, and that was it for the most part. Cedric Russell played seven minutes, Joey Brunk two, and Jimmy Soto's played long enough to get beat off the bounce by Jalen Pickett, give up a uh, and one, and immediately got sent back to the bench. Yeah, he played boy. one minute. So he played one minute. So I uh, picked up a foul. That was it. So, you know, Zed Key played 21 minutes and everybody else, Orange played 28 and the other three guys were in the 30s. So um, it's going to be curious to see if Holtman starts to really shrink that lineup a little bit or if he keeps using the depth. Like, I mean, obviously we saw a lot of depth against IUPUI. That's not going to happen every – not going to win every game by 46, unlike some people's expectations. So um, that's a whole different thing. So it'll be interesting to see when he starts to really shore up this lineup. Then that's one of the things that – Make, you know that's that's what makes this team so interesting and so fun and now there's been <clears throat> excuse me there have been a, a couple people that have said very similar things at press conferences from opposing teams um 
if you remember Wendell Moore from Duke, he said they have a lot of wild cards. They have a lot of guys that can just step in and just make a quick difference. Like he doesn't mean he doesn't mean like they have a bunch of guys that can score twenty points. They have a bunch of guys that you know, like the Duke game when it's like Ohio State's trying to pull away. They're so close to pulling away. Cedric Russell comes and hits back-to-back shots, and Duke's like shit. Like that's not the guy that I thought was going to bury us, but he did. And then um, trying to remember who else, what other coach it was. Um, I believe it was Chris Collins after the Northwestern game said they have a lot of players who are capable of coming in and making big individual plays to change the game. So not guys, again, not guys that can score 20 points like that, but guys who, regardless of the minutes, they can call on to swing the tide of the game, regardless of if they've been called on yet today, like Cedric Russell or Jimmy Sotos or Michi Johnson with his half-court threes that always seem to fall at the end of the shot clock. That's why this team is so entertaining is because they have guys that regardless of the minutes that they're playing can be called on and can make a big play. And that's so hard to scout against because you have to scout for Michi Johnson, just like you have to scout for Brandon, like scout for Brandon, even though Brandon's a much bigger threat. They have so many individual guys that have, and will continue to pop up at random spots and, and bite you. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, that's why I like this team. That's why I said I think this team is so prepared for the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament is when they need guys to step in. You know, Liddell's tired. Branham's done a lot. You know, um, Kyle Young has done a lot. They're tired. They have they need guys to step in and play minutes, valuable minutes. And I think it was uh, Raphael Davis on Big Ten Network that talked about that. Like, you're going to need – that's why the IUPUI game was so nice because you need Gene Brown and Jimmy Sotos and Cedric Russell down the road to play those kind of valuable minutes, whether it's, it's it could be six minutes off the bench, they need to play a valuable six minutes, you know, that because that's all the rest sometimes Liddell and Jamari Wheeler might need. But you don't want Wheeler playing 40 minutes a game. You know, you want him to play 30 to 35. So that's kind of like, you know, the Penn State game, Jalen Pickett had a decent game, but he played 40 minutes, and down the stretch you could tell he was tired. Um, that was the benefit of not having Seth Lundy for Ohio State was Pickett couldn't leave the floor. So um, it'll be interesting. Like I said, it'll be very interesting to see this team down the stretch and how Holtman, especially if Suing and Towns both come back, how they try to manage this lineup. Because there's 11 guys you can play, maybe even 12. A couple stats, milestones, if you will, that are coming up. Um, EJ Odell, 12 points away from 1,000. He'd be the 60th member of the 1,000-point club. Unfortunately, that was that would have probably happened today against Nebraska. It's probably going to happen now Thursday in Minnesota. And a whole, Chris Holtman has 99 wins as an Ohio State head coach. Next one's going to be 100, so hopefully that will be Thursday um, at Minnesota. And I'd have to look up, but for some reason, look look it up, but I believe he would be the seventh coach in Ohio State history to have 100 career victories, I believe. Um, so it kind of stinks that those um, cannot happen at home. Last thing we're going to talk about before we scoot out of here, um, we both kind of agreed that Purdue was going to win the Big Ten pretty easily. Now Purdue is in seventh place. They are four and three in the Big Ten. They still have 13 more games. Um, very rarely does the Big Ten champion have more than five losses. Purdue has three. So are you still riding with the Boilermakers as like the hands-down favorite? Uh, hands-down favorite, no. But I do agree with you. They're probably going to go on some sort of run uh, here coming up. They're just 
And, you know, we kind of talked about it. It's funny because they've lost three games in conference and there's times where they haven't looked incredibly impressive. But they still, I don't think they have a weakness. You know, I don't think, I think you just have to get kind of lucky and catch them on a bad day to beat them. Um, I really hate their matchup against Ohio State. That's just kind of a given. Also, just coming up their games, they get Northwestern, then they Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota. Those are four games they can all very much win. The Ohio State games at home. Um, and then they play Michigan, who is, like I said, drowning. And then they play Illinois, which would be a big game. Then they go Maryland, Northwestern, Rutgers. So like they they don't have the most wild schedule coming up. They, these are all very, very, very winnable games for them. Um, and then they finish off kind of tough with at Michigan State, at Wisconsin, and then a home against Indiana, which will be a huge game um, to end the season. So I still think – you know, it's weird because Wisconsin is so strange right now. I can't pin them down at all. Um, I can see Wisconsin going on a four-game losing streaker. I'm starting to drink the Illinois Kool-Aid a little bit. Yeah, they uh, just got to get healthy. I mean, they finally got Corbello back, and now Coburn has a concussion. So they just they need to get healthy. Um, but I am I do like Illinois a lot. They're a very good team. Um, Michigan State is still kind of looming, like we've always talked about, and a lot of people have talked about with them. It's just hard to really hit your wagon to a team with no true star. Gabe Brown is close, but he's not there. They don't really have yeah. an all-conference kind of guy right now, so it's hard to hitch a wagon to them. But they're still—I mean, this, they're still it's like they it, only have one conference loss, I think. So this is exactly what you want to see if you're an Ohio State fan. Um, if you're hoping the Buckeyes can somehow find a way to win a, you know, win their first Big Ten title in a decade, Purdue already has three losses. Wisconsin has one, but kind of like you're saying, I, I just—I don't know if I could see Wisconsin going like sixteen and four in conference. We've we have seen them play very, very poorly against some very bad teams, and we've seen them play really well against some really good teams. So, like, I don't know if I can trust Wisconsin to be the champion. Um, it's, I mean, Ohio State's right in the mix. They're right in the mix. To mention that, friend of the pod, Kevin Sweeney, uh, Sports Illustrated college basketball guru, was talking about that because Jeff Goodman was so confused as to why the analytics don't like Wisconsin at all. They have them ranked, like, 20th and stuff like that. And Kevin was explaining that, you know, it, it's because those are predictive. And Wisconsin, they're winning close games against good teams, but they're not blowing anybody out. They haven't blown out anybody. So, Their offense sucks outside of Johnny Davis. Like, yeah, they're not blowing anybody out. So I think the metrics look at them and go, well, they could lose a lot of these games coming up. You know, they might win them, but they could lose. They, like I said, I still think they're one of those teams like Indiana. They, and Indiana proved this <laughs> over the past week. They can lose to anybody. They can beat anybody. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see a big game tonight. You're listening to this tomorrow, so it'll be over. But Wisconsin does play Michigan State at home. That'll be a huge game for Big Ten. If you think Ohio State doesn't have a chance to win the Big Ten, though, you're just simply wrong. They have a very good chance to win the Big Ten. So I mean, they're right in the mix with so many with so many games to go. That's why it's like if you're Purdue, like you're kind of hovering over the panic button. Not that they need to be concerned about their NCAA tournament hopes, because I mean I think that no. Purdue is kind of like the Golden State Warriors. Like they're so far and away the most talented team in this conference. Like Purdue, if they go into the NCAA tournament as like a five seed, they're going to be the most popular five seed to be picked to win the championship in the history of basketball. Like they're so talented, but they've already got three losses with thirteen games to go, which means if they want to end say fifteen and five, which might be good enough to win a title. They would need to go eleven and two over the next thirteen. That that that's tough. So there's just a slog at the top of the Big Ten right now. If you're Ohio State, um, an Ohio State fan, 
Michigan State's got a loss. Wisconsin's got a loss. Either way, one of those teams are falling down to tie with them pretty much tonight. Um, Illinois plays Maryland. Obviously, you're pulling for Maryland to win that game. Then Illinois falls down and ties with Ohio State. Um, essentially, it's like a half-game difference. But it's just a big sloppy mess at the top. And pretty much anybody aside from the bottom four could still win it. Yeah, and to wrap it up with this, we laughed about this kind of before we started recording. And granted, it's a little different because Purdue did lose yesterday, so they'll fall in the rankings. But coming into their game against Indiana, they were still sixth in the Big Ten, and they were fourth in the country. So, you know, it kind of shows how people still view Purdue. Exactly. That will do it for us this week. If you find us on the website, you can also find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever other music streaming services, tickle for fancy. Next week, we're having a guest on the show for the first time in a long time. I don't remember who our last guest was. It might have been, was it Joey Lane? I don't even know who our last guest was. So make sure to listen next Thursday. My only hint that I will give right now is that um, he is related to a certain uh, large saltwater fish. Yeah, our last guest to answer the question was Adam Jardy in October because uh, we have not had one since the season started. So um, as we said earlier, make sure to follow on Twitter at BucketheadsLGHL as well as the website's accounts at LaneGrant33. Uh, we're pretty active on there, especially during games. You know, just trying to keep people going on, try to you know put observations, stuff like that. I might even start recording little small videos just of like halftime thoughts and stuff like that. I just have more of a face for radio. So uh, maybe we'll tweet out another hint about who our guest is. I emoji. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Justin underscore Golba. You can follow me at Lamans underscore Connor on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend and go Bucks.